Hello and welcome to Bite Size Strategy, the podcast that provides you with less fluff and more stuff that you can actually use to grow your brand online. In every episode, we cut the banter, we get down to business, and we talk actionable tips and tricks for online marketing, copywriting, optimizing your website, and more. I'm your host, Ashley Kay, a web designer, digital strategist, and all-around nerd. If you would like to connect with me in between episodes, you can give me a follow on Instagram at buildintandblossom or check out buildintandblossom.com for more. Hey friends, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. I'm flying a little close to the sun today because it's Tuesday. I normally record on Monday and Tuesday is one of the busiest loudest days in my neighborhood. So I'm hoping to fit this in before the noise starts up. And if I don't, you'll never know because I will cut it out. (laughs) So how was everyone's weekend? Mine was pretty good because it was my birthday. So I took the weekend off from work. You have to do it. If it's your birthday, you have to stop working for the weekend. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I took the weekend off. I read a fiction novel, which is something that I haven't done in ages. I used to read all the time and now, you know, life gets in the way. So I don't really read anything for fun, for pleasure. All I read is like nonfiction or like something that I'm going to learn something from, you know. So I read this book. It was called The Fortunate Ones by Catherine Hoken, I believe. Kind of a guilty pleasure. It was pretty good. I started the book on Friday, finished it on Sunday, because that's the kind of reader I am. If I start it and don't finish it, like, pretty immediately thereafter, I'm never going to finish it. It's like all or nothing. You know what I mean? So that was really fun. Also did a hike. I don't know if anyone is familiar with LA, but there is a popular hiking area called Runyon Canyon. I feel like it used to be more popular because it was like the area for celebrity sightings. Now, I don't care about celebrity sightings at all, but apparently a lot of people do. So I think that's why it was really popular because people were just hanging out there hoping to catch a glimpse of a celebrity doing their thing coming down the mountain, you know? (laughs) Plus, it's really accessible. Runyon is like in the middle of a neighborhood, so it's really easy to get to. Um, But yeah, when I went this weekend, it wasn't that busy which works well for me because I'm not really into crowds, but I'm also not into like total isolation when I hike either. Like I like to see a few people, but I don't want to see that many people. I want to see some people where if I run into trouble, I know, you know, there's going to be other people around for safety, but I don't need to see like a dozen of them every minute. You know what I mean? Yeah, Runyon was good. Wasn't too crowded when I went. Had a great birthday. Like, probably one of the best birthdays in a while. So, I'm a happy girl. (laughs) But I want to keep this episode rolling because, like I said, it's going to start to get noisy pretty soon here. So, let's jump into the meat of this episode. And today, we're going to talk about saying sorry. I know, sounds kind of weird, but, you know, stick with me here. I find it a little amusing (laughs) that I chose this as an episode topic because I remember very clearly when I was an angsty teen and probably even like a few years after that, I had a firm policy on never apologizing. I know, like, it sounds, I hate admitting that, but my whole shtick was like, I'll never say sorry because if I did something I was sorry for, I wouldn't have done it in the first place. Cute, right? 
And of course, in reality, and I know this because I'm now much older and wiser, it's impossible to go your entire life without doing something you need to apologize for. Like, we're human. We, we can't help it, you know? Sometimes we snap, we say something we regret, or sometimes we act in a way that sends a signal or a message or something that we didn't actually mean to send. Sometimes we just straight up mess up and make a mistake. And sometimes there are these cases when maybe we aren't at fault at all, but we still need to be sympathetic and help the other person resolve their problem. So today, what we're going to be talking about here on this episode is how to say sorry in your business. We are talking customer service, customer support, and how to respond to people when they come to you with a problem, issue, or question. Before I get any further, though, I do want to point out that it may seem like I'm being a little petty in this episode. I'm going to be sharing a experience, a story of a situation that I encountered recently as a customer when I was seeking out support from a small business. And it may seem like I'm being a little bit petty, and I am. (laughs) You'll see what I mean in a minute. Um, I want to point out that I am a decent person. I feel like if you have to say that you're a decent person, you probably aren't. But in this case, I like to think I really am a decent person. I'm a nice guy, you know, but I'm using this situation more as an educational uh, tool for you guys so I can illustrate some points to you. I'm not a Karen, if you will. I'm not asking for the manager. I'm not one of those, but you'll see what I mean in a minute, okay? But if you're wondering how all of this relates to digital strategy, which of course this podcast is all about, well, I want to share with you some facts and maybe you'll be convinced on how important effectively saying sorry is in your business, okay? So fact number one, acquiring new customers can be five or more times more expensive than retaining existing ones, okay? So it's a lot more costly to go out and try to acquire new customers. It's much more cost effective to keep your existing ones happy and loyal to you. That's fact number one. Fact number two is when deciding whether or not to make a purchase, 90% of consumers are influenced by customer service reviews. So you want to make sure that if your reviews are out there in the world and they mention your customer service, they are positive. Okay. Fact number three, people are willing to pay more for better customer service. Fact number four, after a positive customer service experience, 77% of people will recommend it to a friend. And fact number five, after a poor customer support experience, 39% of people will avoid the brand in question for at least two years. So it's really clear when you consider these facts and these stats, how important it is to make sure that your customers and your clients are having positive customer service experiences with you rather than negative ones because it can really affect your business as a whole. And I could go on, I could give you more stats and more facts because there are a lot of them out there, but I think you get the picture, okay? So now I want to move into our story time that I was mentioning a minute ago. And again, this is where it's going to seem like I'm being petty, and I am, but I'm doing it for the sake of education. So the inspiration for this whole episode actually came to me from a recent customer service experience that I had with a small business on Etsy. Now, I'm 
like I say, a nice guy. I want you to know that. And I'm not in the business of calling people out publicly. I respect the hustle. I know we're all just trying to do our best. I understand that. But I wanted to use this as a tool to share with you how you can really do a little bit better when it comes to responding to customer support issues and problems and stuff like that, okay? So that's why I'm using this example. As you're going to find out in a minute here, it wasn't like a terrible experience. There are just some things that I thought could be done better, okay? So with that being said, let me get into the story time. I made a purchase on Etsy recently and it contained several items. They weren't very costly, there are about 20 of them, all under $10 or so, and when I received my package I realized that one of the items was missing. So again, this was a small item, it was under $10, but still I paid for it and I didn't receive it, you know? So I basically just wanted a partial refund for the amount of the item that I didn't receive. I feel like that is the easiest resolution here. I felt like it was pretty fair, so that's what I requested, so I got in touch with the seller, okay? I messaged the seller right away. I was very nice, because I'm a nice guy. Here's my message. Hi there. Thank you for the super fast shipping. I received my order today, and everything looks great, but I am missing one piece. I ordered three item names, but only received two item names. Is it possible to get a partial refund just for that item? Thanks in advance. And I know you can't physically see the message that I sent because I'm reading it to you, but I'm a nice guy. I've got exclamation marks in there, which in my opinion always lightens the mood, is friendly, you know what I mean? So along with the message, I also sent in three pictures. So the items, when I received them, they came in clear plastic baggies, and the baggies were labeled with the name of the items along with their quantities, okay? So I sent an image of the baggie that I had that contained the two items inside of it. And again, I had ordered three items. And then I also sent an image of the back side of the baggie where it was labeled two item names. Again, there should have been three item names because that's what I ordered. And then I sent a third image. I sent a partial image of my invoice that came printed with the order where it indicated that I had actually ordered three item names. I hope you're following along. I feel like that was so hard to describe. I wish I could just show you a picture. But anyway, let's get back to our story. The seller responded to me the next morning and the message I received was, hello, could you please send us a full photo of your paper invoice for our records? Now, I'm not trying to be petty. I mean, I am because that's kind of the point of the episode. <laughs> There's nothing technically wrong, I guess, with this response. It's not like it's evil. You know, hello, could you please send us a full photo of your paper invoice for our records? There's nothing mean-spirited about that. But to be honest with you, I was looking for a little bit more. And I think it's because I've been in small business myself for a decade. And before that, I worked for small businesses where, of course, I was dealing with people who had issues with the product or the service or whatever. So I've been in this world for a long time. I've also been a customer for my entire life, you know, and I know what feels right and what feels good when I'm seeking a resolution to a problem that I'm having as a customer. So I have experience, you know, I've been around the block, if you will, dealing with this sort of thing. And so when I read this seller's response back to me in the morning, all I could think of is, you know what? 
I would have done that a little bit differently. So let's dive into this a little bit more here. First of all, the request itself to me seemed kind of weird. The seller asked me to provide a full photo of the paper invoice that I received. But like the paper invoice I received was the same exact one that Etsy automatically generates. It can be accessed by the seller in a matter of seconds within just a few clicks. Not to mention, when you send a message to the seller about your order, Etsy includes your order number and more information about your order within the message itself. So I know this because I've been selling on Etsy myself since 2013. So the bottom line here is I didn't really understand why I would need to provide the copy of the invoice that they sent me. You know what I mean? Like they have it in their system. They can access it in a matter of seconds. And then also, like I had already provided a partial photo of it anyway, and not to mention the seller was like the one that made a mistake on the order, not me. Like, I don't know why I'm being asked to provide this information for you, but whatever. You know, I know this is being a little bit petty. Again, that's the purpose of this episode. (sighs) And I'm going to get even more pettier here because second of all, this is for educational purposes but I had a problem with this message because there was no apology. It was just, hello, could you please send us a full photo of your paper invoice for our records? This was honestly my first interaction with this business, with this brand, aside from the standard, like, thank you for your order, you know, your order has shipped emails that automatically get generated, you know? And even though this is a small, less than $10 item, you know, that's all that was missing. It's small potatoes, but an apology would still go a long way. So guys, what I want to do here is I want to rewrite the seller's response to include an apology and just let's try it out. Let's see how it sounds. Let's see how it feels. See what you think, okay? Instead of the seller sending me, hello, could you please send us a full photo of your paper invoice for our records? Instead of having that message be the first interaction that someone receives when they have an issue with their order, how about, hello, we're so sorry to hear your package was missing an item. Like, That's it, guys. That's all you got to say, right? (laughs) You know, I think if you lead with the apology, you could still even add in the could you please send us a full photo of your paper invoice for our records. Although, in my opinion, you kind of need to justify why you need it. You know, like, could you please send us a full photo of your paper invoice for our records because I broke nine of my ten fingers and I'm unable to easily make the two clicks it takes to access this information on my own. Something like that. Oh, I'm being so petty, guys. I'm being so petty. Ideally, I think the full response would be something like this. See how this feels to you, okay? Hello, we're so sorry to hear your package was missing an item. I'm happy to give you a refund for the missing item as you requested. I've just processed it now, and it should show up in your account in the next two days. I apologize for any inconvenience. But anyway, that didn't happen, so let's get back to this story, okay? So I went ahead and I sent the seller, like, the the two images of the full invoice, and then the seller responded with, thank you. Would you like, like us to send a replacement out for the missing item, or would you prefer a refund at this time? And of course, I just copy and pasted that in, so yes, it did say, would you like, like us to send 
Now, I will say I didn't have a problem with this in reality because I know we're all busy people. We're small business owners. We got a bunch of other things going on. Things get lost. Things don't get seen. People don't read messages. But again, like I'm being petty here for the sake of education, for the sake of showing you an example of how you can be a little bit better. If you remember, I had already stated in my original message, my first message to the seller that I wanted a refund. Let me scroll up in my notes here. I'll read what I originally wrote the seller. That's way up here. Okay. Hi there. Thank you for the super fast shipping, blah, blah, blah. Is it possible to get a partial refund just for that item? So I had already indicated I was on the hunt. I was on the prowl for a partial refund. Okay, so the seller asking me if I want a refund or a replacement, I don't know, doesn't really seem necessary, you know, because I already indicated what I wanted. Asking me again, it's kind of a waste of both of our times. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't really care. Like I say, in reality, I didn't have a problem with this, but I'm just thinking like, man, this could have been done a lot more efficiently. And also with this seller's message, there was no apology. Still, we're on the second message that the seller has sent me, and there's still no apology for messing up my order. I got to admit, I was a little bit irked that there still was no apology, but whatever. Let's get back to the story. I, I quickly responded to this message with, I'm happy with either a refund or a replacement, whatever works best for you and is most economical. Thank you. Because I like to think I'm a nice guy and that's pretty reasonable, right? Like I'm honestly, I'm trying to make this easy on the seller. I want them to just give me a refund rather than having to pay for shipping to send a replacement item out. So anyway, okay, this is the end of it and it doesn't get any more exciting from here. (laughs) The seller sent me one more message and this one read, sure thing, I'll go ahead and issue a refund for you now. Sorry again about the mistake. Okay, like, so now we are cooking with fire. You know, this last final message, this is the kind of energy I was looking for all along. I was looking for that apology, folks. But to be petty once more, I will say I was amused by the sorry again about the mistake. Sorry again? Buddy, wait a minute. You never said sorry the first time. You know what I mean? (laughs) And again, I know we're all busy people. I understand that this was a very small potato item that I was missing. Didn't cost a lot. I respect the hustle of all small business owners and one myself. So perhaps more than most people, I understand the struggles. They're real of running a small business. And I'm not trying to be a hater Um, There was nothing outright rude about the seller's response to me, and I'm sure that the seller was trying to be nice. They were trying to resolve the issue to the best of their ability. But my whole point with all of this is that it's a good example here of how even like with the best intentions sometimes, your message can maybe be received poorly on the other end. And it's also a good example to show you that saying sorry right off the bat Even though, of course, it was an honest mistake, saying sorry can go a long way, right? So basically, what ended up happening is I left this experience feeling pretty neutral about this seller 
and their business. While I appreciate that they refunded me without hassle, the fact is there was still an issue with my order and my first interaction with them when I brought it to their attention was a little bit short of ideal. You know what I mean? Had I viewed my overall customer service experience a bit more favorably, they could have really won me over as a customer. They had the opportunity to wow me. They could have blown me away. You know what I mean? But instead, I'm feeling pretty neutral about them at this point. I may shop with them again. I may not. To be honest with you, I ordered from another Etsy seller that sells basically the same products. Their price point was a little bit higher, but their packaging was so much better. They gave me a free gift. They sent me a special message after I received my order. Like just their like level of care and thought was so much more was so much better than this other sellers that I probably will be shopping with them. Just saying. Okay, like it's a competitive world out there. We all know that and we really need to do what we can to be the best out there at everything, you know, because the fact is you're going to get customers. You're going to get clients who are coming to you when they have complaints, issues, problems, etc. That's inevitable. Depending on your niche, depending on your product or your service, you may deal with this a lot or only on rare occasion. I am in the tech world. And everything with tech seems to be complicated. So I deal with customer support questions and issues and all of that stuff on the regular. Regardless of your product or your service or how often you deal with this, it's important to respond well when these situations do arise. You need to look at it as an opportunity to keep a paying customer or client happy because if you're able to give them a positive customer service experience, they're going to be more likely to be loyal to you and also refer you to others. Again, the competition out there is stiff, so you need to do what you can to be better than the competition. And if you've already managed to make a sale to this person, don't you want to do everything that you can to make their experience a positive one? Yes, right? Yes is the right answer. And of course, you can't keep everyone happy. But I do want to share eight tips with you to help you have more positive customer service interactions. These tips are going to go a long way to helping you better respond in these situations, and they should lead to a much more positive experience for your customer. It should help keep them loyal and referring your brand to other people. So I am all about that. (laughs) Let's get started here with our first tip for positive customer service interactions. Tip number one deal with any of your negative emotions privately. So if someone comes to you with an issue or a complaint, of course it's natural to get defensive and experience a wave of negative emotion. What you need to do is prevent this emotion from guiding your response back to the client or customer because it is not a good look, okay? (laughs) I feel like we've all been on the receiving end, whether it's been like a personal experience or a business one. We've all been on that other end when the other person is getting defensive and it's just like, it's just ugh to deal with and it's not productive. It doesn't really help solve the issue at hand. So we need to remember when we're responding to our customers or clients and they have an issue, it's not going to do any good to get defensive. Okay. 
Now, I'm not saying you need to bottle up your emotions because nothing ever good comes from that either. Do whatever you need to do to process your emotions in a healthy way, but do it privately so you don't react at the customer. Take some deep breaths, meditate, take a boxing, call your mom, whatever works for you. Just don't let those negative emotions seep out into your response back to the customer or client, okay? Tip number two is very much related to this. Take a moment. Most people are likely coming to you with their issues these days via email. You know, most of us don't have a customer service hotline or anything. Thank the Lord, because I hate phone calls. I don't know. Maybe you do, too. The idea of having a customer service hotline just makes me want to vomit. But anyway, because most of our clients, customers are coming to us via email, we can kind of answer at our leisure. Of course, you don't want to wait too long, but do take the time that you need to get your bearings about you and make sure that you aren't responding to them rashly, right? Like we just mentioned, take the time to deal with any negative emotions that you're experiencing and address the situation when you've detached emotionally from it, okay? It's really going to help to make sure that your response back to them is purely productive, right? It's only working toward resolving the problem and isn't emotion-driven. Tip number three, speaking of emotions, focus on their emotional experience, right? So the emotions that the customer or client is currently experiencing, It's so important to try to put yourself in the other person's shoes. And of course, this is something that is helpful outside of the business world too. But sometimes, of course, putting yourself in the other person's shoes is easier said than done, especially when we're in this business world and we're so close to our business and everything that goes on in it and we get defensive, right? But there's usually some common ground you can find if you take a couple of moments to just take a step back and process it. I also think it's really important to remember that you have no idea what the other person is going through or what they've got going on in their life. Maybe money is tight and they really saved up their pennies to buy your super awesome product or service or thing, you know? But now it's not up to their standards, or it isn't what they were expecting, or they can't get it to work right, or whatever issue they're having. And I think most of us can agree, and we can see how that experience would be frustrating or disappointing. So put yourself in the other person's shoes, as hard as it may be sometimes, just to get a better perspective of their experience. Tip number four, be careful with the language and tone you use when you respond back to a customer or a client. In episode 12 of this podcast, you may remember we talked all about brand voice and tone and how important it is to establish a strong profile for your brand to help you stand out from the rest. There's a lot of good info in that episode about brand voice and tone, so definitely check it out if you haven't already. In that episode, one of the things that we discuss is the four dimensions that make up brand tone. Your tone of voice profile may be more funny than serious, more casual than formal, more sassy than respectful, and more enthusiastic than matter of fact. That may be the tone of voice profile for your brand. So if that's the case, that would be the baseline tone of voice. 
but that tone of voice can and should change depending on the situation. So if someone is coming to you and they want a refund, you probably don't want to use that same funny, sassy tone when you write back to them, right? So maybe you're writing your blog posts and your marketing copy in that tone, but you don't necessarily want to use that same tone when you're responding back to a customer, right? Most people who are requesting a refund for something, they probably are not going to be thrilled. They are not looking for a response like, ah, shiz buckets. You don't like your order? WTF is wrong with you. JK, we can take care of it. Send your crappy product back to us within seven days and we'll see what we can do. I know that's a little extreme, but it gets the point across, I think. I would definitely argue that you should always take a respectful tone when responding to a customer support request. I know that's kind of obvious and I shouldn't have to say it, but I think for some people this is hard to remember sometimes. And also, I want you to be extra cautious with humor because sometimes humor can kind of get lost in translation. It may not be received in the way that you meant it. You know, how many times just in your personal life do you send a text to someone and they get a little miffed? And you're like, no, 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 like, I didn't mean it that way at all. It's because, like, it's hard to read tone and true meaning just from words. And, of course, if that applies to people in your personal life, it definitely applies to customers or clients that you're responding back to who don't know you as well as people in your personal life do, right? Let's move on here to tip number five, just say sorry. Saying sorry is going to go a long way in helping your customers or clients view their experience more favorably, more positively. Even if it is not your fault, an apology goes a long way. I will say there are good ways and there are bad ways to say I'm sorry. I feel like we've all had enough experience in our own personal relationships to know what works well and what doesn't, but I want to go over a couple bad ways to say sorry. And these, of course, apply to business and personal life. So one of the methods of apologizing that you should avoid, and I've learned this from personal experience, by the way, (laughs) is saying something like, I'm sorry you feel that way. This is generally considered a non-apology apology. A lot of people do not take too kindly to it. Uh, Just ask my partner because I use the whole I'm sorry you feel that way apology a lot and it doesn't work. To be honest, I think I've officially given up on it, but I did used to use it a lot a few years ago. I'm sorry you feel that way just doesn't work. And generally, when you're responding to a customer service complaint or inquiry, you can get more direct than this anyway. You can address the issue at hand. So you don't need to fall back on, I'm sorry you feel that way. There's definitely a more direct apology that is going to be more effective. Another not great form of an apology is the I'm sorry, but... So the but attached to I'm sorry indicates that an excuse is coming or you're going to try to like push the blame to the other person. And neither of those things ever go over well. We already talked about not getting defensive, so we don't need to use the I'm sorry but apology. You can generally take the same concept though and like rephrase it. (laughs) For example, so instead of saying I'm sorry, but the measurements are clearly listed right there in the description. You can say, I'm sorry to hear the item didn't fit like you hoped it would. I know how frustrating that can be. We strive to describe our items as accurately as possible by posting measurements in the description. Blah, blah, blah. 
it's a lot better than trying to shift the blame to the other person, even though, to be honest with you, if they didn't read the measurements that are listed in the description and the item doesn't fit the way that they wanted, that's kind of on them. But, you know, we can't we can't say that. We can't say, I'm sorry, but you clearly didn't read the measurements. That's just no good. That's not polite. So avoid the I'm sorry, but apology and and also avoid the sorry about that apology. So this one I do actually think can be suitable in some situations, but for the most part, it's too broad, perhaps overly casual, if you will, especially depending on the circumstance. So instead of the sorry about that, be direct with your apology because it shows you fully understand the issue, which is oh so important when you're dealing with customers and clients. Something like, I'm sorry your order was missing an item. Or, I'm sorry your order wasn't to your satisfaction. Or, I'm sorry to hear you're having issues getting blah 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 feature to work. It's really not that difficult to be direct, but it goes a long way towards making the other person feel cared for and heard. Avoid the sorry about that. Be direct. That's all you gotta do, you know? So let's move on to tip number six. Tip number six for giving your customers a more positive customer support experience is take the high road. If people are writing to you because they have an issue with your product or your service or whatever, sometimes the things that they say may not be the nicest. Sometimes they can be downright mean, you know? When people are contacting you about an issue that they're having, they're usually going to be driven by emotions, and that doesn't always lead to people saying the nicest things to you. Now, I do think you need to have boundaries. I do think it's important to not get walked all over, but you can stand up for yourself and not stoop to their level, you know? Because stooping to their level is not going to do anything to resolve the problem. At the end of the day, it's also not really going to make you feel any better either. So keep it courteous, keep it nice, even if the other person is pressing your buttons. I feel like we've all been there, okay? We need to detach emotionally and take the high road. All right, tip number seven, take note of common issues slash problems. So if you find yourself constantly apologizing for a screwed up order or something like that, if it's a common theme, perhaps there is an underlying issue with your business, right? If this is happening all the time, maybe there's an opportunity to fix something within your business to prevent this from happening so often. Just throwing that out there. And then tip number eight, our last tip here, create a library of plug and play responses. Now, I am usually against anything plug and play when it comes to copywriting, but this is one of the exceptions. Creating a bank of typical responses to common customer inquiries or issues can be helpful, especially if you struggle to come up with responses on your own or if you're working with a team who maybe is responding on your behalf. Instead of being at a loss for words every time you get a customer emailing you that their order didn't arrive on time or something like that, you can simply copy and paste your already written, your pre-written, if you will, response in personalizing it for the customer and their exact situation. If you are using a plug and play template, don't forget to personalize it a little bit so it doesn't sound just like a script. So, all right, you guys, that is going to wrap up this episode. Um, I will say, I know for most of us solopreneurs and small business owners, becoming great at customer service 
that probably wasn't at the top of our list or like our top goal when we first were starting out bringing our awesome idea to life. Like back in 2013, when I first started my business online, I didn't really even think about providing great customer service. I mean, I like to think I did, but it wasn't a real goal of mine. You know what I mean? Like it was secondary, but it really is an opportunity and dealing with customer support issues and questions from clients, all that stuff, it just goes along with the territory. It's an opportunity to retain your hard-earned customers and grow your business. I hope you learned something here today. If you didn't learn something directly, I hope you were at least amused. <laughs> and hopefully something we talked about here will serve as a good reminder the next time that you are dealing with a customer issue or support request or whatever. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to follow the podcast on your favorite platform. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio. New episodes come out every Tuesday, and you can also check out builditandblossom.com for more brand building resources. That is also the homepage for the podcast, and you can go on builditandblossom.com, click into Bite Size Strategy podcast and you're going to find written transcripts for every episode. So that's great. If you can't listen to the whole thing, you can just go browse the show notes. All right, you guys, that's a wrap. I will see you next week. Bye.